Hi, I'm Mona Lewis, the sports director of WSU, and I want to personally welcome you to X's and Opinions. Sit back and listen as some of WSU's sportscasters break down some of the major headlines over the past week of professional sports. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WSU Sports for more content. And rate this podcast and subscribe if you enjoy. Now, let's get started, shall we? Hello and welcome, everybody, to our November 30th edition of X's and Opinions. I am Wilna Lewis, joined alongside Louis Pasquale and Jenna Powell for this episode. And before we even get into the sports talk, I just want to ask you guys, how are you doing? Louis, we'll start with you today. I'm doing good, Wilna. How are you? Happy to be here. No, I am doing absolutely splendid, Louis. Jenna, how are you? I'm great. I woke up to a nice Miles Powell signing with the Knicks. Um, we're all good. And honestly, we probably should go ahead and start with that one first. I'd even fully think about um, starting with that, but it has been official today. We are recording this on November 29th that Miles Powell has signed with the New York Knicks. And there was, of course, a lot of talk after um, the draft with him getting picked up by them. But today the Knicks have officially made it – Miles Powell and the Knicks have officially made it a thing. So – you know, we know Miles Powell because we've seen him firsthand of what he could do for Seton Hall and what he could do at the Madison Square Garden, too. So I guess just initial reactions and how well do you think Miles Powell is going to be um, fit in the NBA? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you hope he does well. I think this is the best for him just because of where he's going. He's familiar with the area. He's played in Madison Square Garden before. Um, I mean, I hope he does well. I think he definitely has a good shot of getting some playing time maybe in preseason. I'm not sure what the, um, I think it was a camp invite if I'm, if I'm correct, if that's what the signing was for. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm not probably is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, just from seeing him play, it's awesome to see someone who you've watched and grown get signed to a NBA team and sign a contract. Yeah, and I'm excited to see this. Um, he, there's not much talent on the Knicks. So I, I think as of right now, he'll get some playing time. He can develop himself as a nice young player in the NBA. Uh, and it's local, as you said, Jenna. So that's going to be cool for us. We can head up to MSG and watch him play a few games. So I'm, I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a question of, you know, how is he going to perform um, in the offseason uh, with the Knicks and if he's able to get that roster spot. The unfortunate thing with COVID – you know, that affected Miles Powell and his draft stock as well as is going to affect him uh, to make the roster is the fact that there's going to be no G League this year. So he's going to have to really impress the team and really impress everybody, you know, in those practices in this short preseason that the NBA has. But I do think that if he is, he has been putting in a lot of work in the gym. We saw him with Obi Toppin and all of that, and Obi Toppin got drafted uh, to the Knicks in the first round. So, I do think it will be a good fit that he will be a good bench player to start off to, you know, be that spark plug in that second unit in terms of getting scoring out for the Knicks um, and overall just being a solid shooter for the Knicks. But, again, it's going to be exciting to see him because, again, for all the Seton Hall faithfuls, they just have to take the train ride up to MSG, which they're familiar with doing with the Big East tournament or if Seton Hall were to play St. John's. So, you know, congratulations once again to Miles Powell. But, Let's just get back into more professional or not more professional, but back to some other professional sports and start off with 
the NFL. And as we are recording, the NFL is currently in their week 12 action. But there has been a lot of things with teams that's currently not playing um, in this week 12 or had to get moved because of week 12 because of COVID. And the Ravens were um, in the news this week for their COVID-19 issues. They were originally supposed to play the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thanksgiving Day, but that game got moved to initially Sunday at 1.15, and then after that to this coming Tuesday because of COVID-19 outbreaks that the Ravens are having uh, in their facility. As of right now, they have, I believe, either 19 or 20 players on their COVID-19 reserve list, including Lamar Jackson. And to kind of run through the list of players that the Ravens have. So two quarterbacks in Jackson and McSorley, two running backs in Ingram and uh, Dobbins, their fullback in Ricard, their tight end, um, which got added on today, Mark Andrews, four offensive linemen, five defensive linemen, three outside linebackers, three cornerbacks, and they, their long snapper as well. That's um, a lot. It is. <laughs> it's absolutely a lot. And the reason for this outbreak is not fully known, but they are possibly pinpointing it on their strength and conditioning coach um, who was disciplined by the Ravens per reports um, because he didn't report any symptoms. He didn't wear a mask constantly while in the facilities and didn't wear his tracking device, which made it hard for um, the Ravens to figure out who would be at-risk personnel. So to start off, before we get into the punishment, um, for the strength and conditioning coach, I guess your initial reactions about this outbreak that the Ravens are currently dealing with. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like Louis said, that's a lot of players to ha be tested positive and then still be expected to play on Tuesday. Um, the Ravens are a team where you're not throwing in these second string, these practice squad players. Um, so that's really sad to see, but it's it's weird to see how – um, the precautions aren't being taken seriously. This is, for a while, I felt like the pandemic maybe was getting better. Um, obviously, that's not the case. It's it's spiking again everywhere. Um, so for them to see them not taking these precautions seriously when we saw what the, what how the NFL started, what the NBA, uh, NBA had to go through, what the MLB had to go through, um, which ended up being successful, but for the NFL to start the way they did wasn't strong. Um, so the fact that it's kind of going downhill with the cases being crazy, um, it's just, it's, it's hard to see. And, and it's kind of unsure how the season's going to play out. Yeah. And in the NFL, there's no bubble. So unlike the NBA or uh, the MLB, I feel like the players in the NFL have to take that into consideration and be more careful in their decision makings uh, on and off the field, keeping themselves and their teammates safe. Um, I thought that the coach would do a better job of that because he's a coach uh, instead of a player, but he didn't do that. And I, I know we're going to get into this later, but I really don't see this game happening. Uh, I think there's way too many players with COVID You're talking about both teams that have COVID because now some Steelers players have tested positive. I know James Conner is one of them. So I don't even know if this game is going to be played on Tuesday. Yeah, and a lot of the talk about this game potentially being played is the NFL doesn't care on a competitive standpoint. So the fact that the Ravens have 20 players right now on the COVID-19 list, they don't – I don't want to say they don't care, but, like, that's not going to be their focus of 
moving their game on Thursday or moving the game from Thursday to Sunday, moving the game from Sunday to Tuesday, and then potentially moving the game from – or Sunday to Tuesday, yeah, and then potentially moving the game from Tuesday to potentially another week or something like that. They're going to focus on the potential of if the outbreak has been contained for the Ravens. And as of right now, it, from what I'm seeing, it hasn't been because um, Mark Andrews was most recently – I'm the one that tested positive for COVID-19. So that would have been seven straight days for the Ravens who had COVID-19 cases. And I think for the NFL, if you genuinely do care about the safety of players, no, has there been any evidence to outbreaks between teams um, when they're on the field? Not really. But I think when you have 20 players on the COVID-19 list, which I believe at least half of them probably tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and you just recently had one that today, the day I were recording on November 29th. I don't think you can confidently say, yeah, we care about the safety of our players, but let's continue to play this game on Tuesday. Logistically, it's going to be difficult because the NFL does not want to go to that week 18 option. But I think this outbreak has been something that's uncontainable right now for the Ravens and again the reason for this outbreak has been due to by reports their strength and conditioning coach um, who didn't report symptoms again who didn't wear their mask and the Ravens had noted that they disciplined them they did not specify what the discipline is for the strength and conditioning coach so I wanted to ask you guys and Louie we'll start with you what would be the proper repercussions or the proper discipline that you would want to see for the strength and conditioning coach? So I don't know if we're going to see this happen, but if he was to get fired straight up, I would be perfectly fine with that. Um, COVID is obviously much bigger than football and he's not only putting himself in danger, but he's putting his team that he coaches for in danger. He's also putting the Steelers in danger because now there's questions of should the game be played, the safety of both teams, so, like I said, COVID is much bigger than football. He, he should have done his best to try to stay safe and keep everyone around him safe. He just didn't do that. So, I, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards him getting fired, and I'd be perfectly fine with that. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know if he's going to get fired, but I wouldn't be surprised if something like that did happen. Um, I mean, I guess he could be put on a temporary leave of some sort, um, but – these people need to make sure they're taking care of their players. I feel like that needs to be the first. Um, that's the first thing. These players have to be taken care of and make sure that um, I think they're probably tested every day, which is something that they're so lucky they get to have since that's a limited thing. Um, so they should be taking advantage of that. And for a trainer, for a strength and conditioning coach um, to not be, um, letting people know the symptoms is just crazy to me. People are dying because of this virus and you're not going to tell somebody that this person is experiencing symptoms just because of a game, okay? I, the NFL will never agree with me, but this virus is bigger than sports. And before a football game is played and before they cancel a game, I think they need to realize that players are the number one priority in their safety is just as much as anybody else. And if they have to go into a week 18, they're going to have to. Okay. That's just what has to happen. Yeah. I think there's no question that he should be fired because there's a difference between, you know, maybe you occasionally took off your mask or something like that. 
you know, or, or, you know, they might've talked with somebody and you, you accidentally took off your mask. If that was just the one thing, then, eh, okay, maybe put them on a leave, maybe suspend them for a couple of games and, and keep it pushing. But the fact that one, you don't report symptoms. If you have symptoms, like that's number one, like why are you going to work? If you have symptoms knowing that we're in a global pandemic, and the fact that you're taking off the tracking device, I don't think the tracking device is anything that's like clunky, you know, like that that affects anybody's day-to-day activities. It's just, a, if I remember correctly, kind of like a, a watch. So that you're not wearing a tracking device and you didn't report symptoms on top of not wearing a mask, I think there should be no question that he should be fired. I know the Ravens want to keep this in-house and they don't want to, you know, specifically name out all their strength and conditioning coach, or there might be a lot of other things or other factors that, you know, dealt with this outbreak. But I think if you're able to pinpoint, okay, the strength and conditioning coach, like for, for official didn't report symptoms or didn't wear the mask or anything like that, then I think he should get disciplined. No question around it. Because again, this is a global pandemic. The NFL has put rules into play so they could play their season after, you know, having to deal with everything, prior to the season starting and you're just going to ruin it because of personal need or personal want like that at, at a time like this, you can't really focus on the personal stuff. Um, but again, that's on the Raven side. And then recently the Steelers also are dealing with a couple of COVID cases. Like you alluded to Louie um, James Conner tested positive for COVID-19. So he will not be playing his Ravens game. If it does play Tuesday, and then their assistant quarterbacks coach uh, tested positive, but Ben Rossenberger has not been um, – isn't a high-risk player. So Ben is going to still be able to play if the game does happen Tuesday, but the quarterbacks coach isn't going to be able to coach on the sidelines. So, again, as of right now, the NFL is still saying that the Steelers game is a go and the Steelers and Ravens should prepare to play Tuesday. Jenna, we will start with you. What is your confidence level – that this game actually does play out? And do you think that this game should be played out? Uh, my confidence level is low. I don't think this game should be played um, with especially someone, a Ravens player testing positive again this morning, another one. Um, it, this doesn't look good. There's a huge outbreak on both teams for them to be together in the same place. And then who knows where they're going after that um, game wise, who knows if they're going to be able to travel. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, me too. We mentioned it before. Uh, we're not only dealing with one team, but as you said, we're dealing with both teams here. Uh, and it's not just one or two players, it's 20. Um, and that's a lot of players to have on the COVID reserve list. So I don't think this game should be played. And I think the NFL should take those steps and prepare for a week 18 game. Real, personally, it should not happen. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. genuinely think personally it should not happen. But I'm going to say um, probably higher confidence than the majority. I'm going to say 45% chance that the game happens. And the reason is, is I think the Steelers outbreak isn't significant enough to where the NFL feels as if, you know, there's a problem going on in Pittsburgh. Because we saw multiple times, you know, that one player or two players or, 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 or you know, a couple people test positive and the game still happens. I think – if there is another positive case that happens Monday or gets reported on Monday, then the game is probably going to get canceled outright or not outright, but get postponed. 
But I think, unfortunately, if both teams go into Monday and go into Tuesday with no more positive cases, then the NFL's going to say, deal with it and play with it. Because we saw that happen recently with another team, uh, the Denver Broncos, where Jeff Driscoll tested positive for COVID-19 and then through contact tracing, um, Drew Locke, Brett Ripe, Ripien, and Blake Bortles all are ineligible to play um, today, the day that we're recording on Sunday, uh, in their matchup due to being in close proximity and being a high risk because they didn't have their mask when they were close enough uh, with Jeff Driscoll. So I guess first, you know, your initial reactions to that story and the fact that the Broncos are, one, playing right now without any quarterbacks on their roster, but also that these two or four quarterbacks are all – not following their protocols and left the Broncos into the situation. Louie, we'll start with you. Well, I think it's unfortunate for the quarterback room that the entire quarterback room has COVID or it could potentially have COVID. But I am, I'm excited to see, and I'm also happy for Kendall Hinton, who is actually going to be the Broncos starting quarterback. I believe this might be the first time in NFL history, other than Taysom Hill maybe, where a non-quarterback player has started the game at quarterback. He was a quarterback for three years at Wake Forest, uh, and he turned to wide receiver his senior year. And he was just on the practice squad with the Broncos. He wasn't even on the uh, 53-man roster. But next man up mentality, he stepped up, and he's going to play quarterback. So it stinks for the Broncos quarterback that they were unable to play the game with a healthy one. But I'm kind of excited to see Kendall Hinton, Kendall Hinton and to see how well he can do today. Yeah, this is the craziest headline I think I've read for all of the NFL so far. Um, for all of your quarterbacks to have it is terrible. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't know if they all had positive testing. I know it just went back with contact tracing. Um, but again, I'm also excited for Kendall to make his NFL debut. This will be his first NFL snap as a quarterback ever. Um, like Louis said, he was practice squad wide receiver for um, Wake Forest. So this is going to be interesting. I, I wish them the best and I hope they win, honestly. Yeah. And um, just to clarify, it was Jeff, it was, uh, it was just Jeff Driscoll that tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I believe the test for Drew Locke, Brett Ripien and Blake Bortles all came back negative this morning, if I remember correctly. Uh, but again, the reason that they are ineligible to play is just because they were in high risk uh, because they were in that quarterback room or, or whatever in close, close proximity uh, with Jeff Driscoll with no mask on and, and not following uh, the proper protocols. But for the Broncos and for Kendall Hinton, I think it's interesting because it's not even like, okay, you had a receiver on like the active squad that used to play quarterback. It was a practice squad receiver that had to step up and play. And there were reports that, you know, he never threw a pass, you know, with the Broncos, that there was still a, a lot of people from the Broncos roster that he has never met before. And he's just getting thrown into the fire and saying, okay, you're going to have to play quarterback now. You know, we know we picked you up as a wide receiver and you're taking a lot of practice snaps as a wide receiver, but you're going to play quarterback today. Um, I, I do want to see the Broncos win this matchup because, again, it would just be a good story. I don't know what would happen after that story if, if he gets the win. I mean, if he goes, I don't know, if the Broncos open up the playbook and he goes like 12 for 20, you know, 200 yards and two touchdowns passing, you know, maybe he can find his way on, on another squad as a quarterback or maybe the, the Broncos decide to keep him as a quarterback. Who knows? But I do think that Kendall Hinton will 
I think the game will be competitive. I saw the lines, um, the betting lines for that game get moved from like, I think like seven to 14. I think it capped out at like um, the Saints were like 16 point favorites uh, for that matchup. And I don't think it's going to be that bad of a game. Um, but I do think that it, it will be a, a pretty interesting story to see uh, what Kendall Hinton is able to do. Um, but to go back to the reason why Kendall Hinton is playing, again, because Drew Locke, Brett Rippey, and Blake Bortles all were not wearing their masks while being close to Jeff Driscoll, do you think any punishment should go down with those three players or with the Broncos organization because that happened? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL handed out a fine or maybe like a loss of a low level, a low late round draft pick rather. And maybe for, um, for the quarterbacks, uh, one game suspension or like leave from the team, I think could be a viable option as a punishment for them. Cause that's at this point, as we mentioned it, it's unacceptable to have these kind of things happen. They should be abiding by the rules. They should know that they're not in a bubble and they have to be safe. So I agree. I think the only way we're going to prevent all these cases and the non-mask wearing is going to be by, um, you know, some sort of punishment of some sort. I think, you know, you would think it's simple to just wear a mask. That's the rule. You should just do it. And these players aren't. Um, maybe they think they are above the virus. Who knows? I, they should know that they're not, though, because um, obviously this is maybe will be a wake-up call. But, yeah, I think some sort of punishment should go into effect. I think it will be a question of what kind of statement is the NFL going to want to make. And they made a statement earlier in terms of finding and taking away a draft pick from the New Orleans Saints because of post-game celebrations that they had in their locker room. And if you're going to make that statement there and suspend – or not suspend, but fine – and remove a draft pick from the Saints, I think you need to show that you want to be hard with your punishments across the board in terms of disciplining the Ravens, disciplining the Broncos as well, because the Saints, the, the difference between the Saints, the Ravens, and the Broncos is the Saints right now, you know, they did that celebration, but they don't have any COVID-19 cases. You have the Ravens who are dealing with the outbreak because of this generally the same situation, you know, players or, or just a strength and conditioning coach or whatever, not having a mask, you have the Broncos who are dealing with their situation because the players weren't having a mask. So if you want to really set the tone, then you need to discipline all three teams across the board um, fairly. And to kind of touch on something that I saw all throughout social media, we saw that a lot of people were – complaining and comparing the Ravens situation to the Broncos situations saying, Oh, the Broncos are going out there with no quarterbacks. How can the NFL let that happen? But the Ravens have a couple positive tests and the NFL decides to move that game. And I'm going to save my response to that after I hear your guys' response, because I think it's absolutely, <laughs> I think it's ludicrous to even try to compare those two, but Louie, to start with you, how do you feel about that complaint and um, comparing both 
the Ravens situation and that Broncos situation. Well, I don't like the complaining because at a certain point with COVID and how unprecedented it is, sometimes logic just goes out the window. I mean, the NFL is trying their best. They may not make the, all the right decisions, right? But they're trying their best to keep players safe, to keep everybody safe. So it's hard to compare like, oh, 20 cases versus no quarterbacks. Who should play? Who shouldn't play? What's going to get postponed? So I don't know. I don't really think that people should be complaining about it. I think people should just roll with the punches, see what happens, hope for the best, hope for no cases. But if this team plays and this team doesn't play, then I don't think there really should be complaining involved from the fans. Yeah, no one has room to complain because their wrongdoings are coming – or the complaining is coming from their wrongdoings. They're complaining because they have cases, but you weren't wearing a mask, so it doesn't add up. Um, But like Wilner said – these the NFL or the teams need to have consistent um, rules and punishments, whether whatever it be, um, it has to be consistent. You can't tell one team one thing and have another rule for another team. Um, it doesn't look good, and it just it has to be fair for players and fans and coaches. Um, but yeah, I don't think the complaining is is right. Yeah, I think the comparison between those two complaints just make no sense to me because again, like you talked about Jenna, the reason why the Broncos have no quarterbacks is because they didn't follow the protocols. Um, they, they could have been perfectly fine with still having Drew Locke or Blake Bortles or Brett Ripien if all they did was follow those protocols and wear their masks when they're in the quarterback room. The difference between the Broncos situation and the Ravens situation is the Broncos situation is an isolated situation. And it was one player that tested positive, but three players unable to play because of uh, contact tracing and because of their negligence to wear their mask. The Ravens situation, however, you have 10 to 15 players that tested positive for COVID-19 over a stretch of four to five days which caused the NFL to move it from Thursday to Sunday and then again to uh, Tuesday. And initially, the NFL was not going to move that game. When the news came out, I believe that Monday, that Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins tested positive initially, they weren't going to move it that day. If it was just them two that tested positive, nothing was going to get moved, and the Ravens would have played that Thursday. But then from Monday to Tuesday, more positive cases. Tuesday to Wednesday, more positive cases. And you, can't, you literally cannot play that game Thursday if the day before you're having positive cases. And then they moved it to Sunday. Thursday, you have positive cases. Friday, you still have positive cases. And they almost wasn't going to move that game again. <laughs> when Lamar Jackson, I think, tested positive, I believe, Thursday or Friday. I don't remember. I think it was Friday they announced it. So he tested positive Thursday. They were not going to move that game from Sunday to Tuesday. But then, again, Friday you have more cases. Saturday morning you have more cases. Now you kind of have to move that game. Whereas the Broncos, it was one situation where Jeff Driscoll tested positive. I believe it was Thursday he tested positive. Nothing Friday, nothing Saturday. Let's continue to play the game. So I think that could play in, in terms of comparing the Ravens situation to the Broncos situation just makes absolutely no sense <laughs> whatsoever. And, again, overall, you wish the best health for all these players. But to try to say that the NFL is trying to baby the Ravens and not baby the Broncos just does not make sense. To bounce off the COVID-19 talks to some more NFL talks, uh, the Lions made news Saturday afternoon after they decided to fire their head coach, Matt Patricia, and their general manager, Bob Quinn, Um, and relieving them from their duties. 
Patricia was the head coach from the Lions in 2018, and then uh, Bob Quinn was the GM for the Lions since 2016. The Lions were a team that was expected to do pretty well uh, this season, but right now I believe sitting fourth in their division um, due to some lackluster play and as of recently just getting absolutely bullied um, by the Texans on Thanksgiving Day. So what do you make of this move for the Lions? And do you think that firing Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn will help the Lions this season? Or do you think that this season is essentially a wash for the Lions and they need to look forward um, to next season? Louie, we'll start with you. I think this is a great move for the Lions. A lot of people like Matt Patricia because he came from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. And me, I thought he was going to do a good job as Lions head coach, but I'm pretty sure they've only had a losing record under him, as you said. So this is a good move for them. New GM, new head coach. They're going to bring in some new players. It, now now they've gone full rebuild mode, which is perfectly fine. Matt Stafford is on the uh, end of his career anyway. So I, I think this will help them going forward, and I'm happy that they got rid of Matt Patricia because he was not cutting it as a head coach. I think with um, the firing of the GM and the head coach, that always, you know, means a rebuilding opportunity and um, a way to get the team morale back up. Um, yeah, Matt Patricia, like Louis said, was just not cutting it. Um, he had like a point three one four win percentage or something, like had a 13-29-1 record. Uh, it's, it's sad to see. I mean, it's not bad compared to other coaches if you look at Adam Gase, um, which we'll get into. But... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's a good rebuilding opportunity. And also, like Louis said, Matt Stafford is um, reaching the end of his career. So I think with those three things, they're um, probably a wash for the rest of the season. Uh, but next season will hopefully come back a lot stronger. Yeah, I think this was almost long overdue for the Lions. Um, again, like you said, Jenna, Matt Patricia, 13-29-1 uh, since taking over the head coaching job with Detroit. Uh, meanwhile, Bob Quinn, 31-43-1 and one, uh, for the Lions overall in that matchup. And it was the last couple of games that really um, did it for this firing. Again, you have that Texans game where they absolutely got bullied 41-25, to 25, the final score in that matchup. And then the game prior to that, uh, losing to the Pan – or losing – yeah, to losing to the Panthers – Again, a Panthers team that had their backup quarterback in, um, losing to them 20 to nothing, not even getting any points on the board. So it was those last two games where the Lions were still in a playoff hunt um, and just absolutely looking like they did not want to play in those matchups that really led to this firing of Matt Patricia and uh, Bob Quinn. Right now, the Lions sit at four and seven and outside of um, the playoff spots and it's going to be interesting just because that NFC side of the playoffs is honestly a, a, a dogfight to even get in. Look at the sixth spot as of right now, it's the Buccaneers at seven and four, and then you have the Cardinals uh, on the seventh spot with a six and five record. So anything can happen in these pat these final couple of weeks um, in the NFL, but you do look at a lot of those teams that are above the Lions, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Bucks, um, and the Bears. And I think it's going to be a little difficult for the Lions to make up that ground. But if they really wanted to make up that ground, they had to do it um, without Matt Patricia because, like you said, Louie, he was just not cutting it. 
uh, for the Lions. So with that firing, it leads to three vacant head coach and GM spots uh, in the NFL, um, which would be looked to fill during the offseason. Again, the Detroit Lions that we just talked about, the Atlanta Falcons, as well as the Houston Texans. And honestly, three pretty good teams um, to be a head coach at or to have a rebuild at. And you look at those quarterbacks on each of the rosters, you look at the talent on each of those rosters have, and, you know, all very lucrative spots. But if you were, you know, a, a head coach, you know, looking for a job and you had the selection of those three teams, the Falcons, the Lions, and the Texans, Jenna, we will start with you. Which one would you want and why? Uh, I think I'm going to the Texans. I think I would go with them. I like I like their team. I think they do have a really strong team. I think they have a really strong defense. And they're always rebuilding, honestly. I feel like they've gone through a lot in the past couple of years. And uh, I'm a big J.J. Watt fan. I like him. And I think the area, too, is just there's so much opportunity there. Um, and there, there's always room to grow. You stole my answer. I want If I was a head coach, I would definitely have taken the Texans out of those three. But honestly, the next best are the Falcons, in my opinion. Uh, Matt Ryan still has a few good years left. I think he'll do just fine in that offense because they do have Todd Gurley and they also have Julio Jones. They got some good wide receivers. And the defense, the defense needs some work, but they have some pieces around. I know I'm pretty sure Vic Beasley's still their linebacker. He's very good. And the, te- uh, the, um, the Falcons could use a nice new head coach. And the person I first thought was Eric Bieniemy, who is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I don't know why. I just feel like he'd be a good fit in that Falcons offense. So if I was him, I'm looking to go to the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, if you look at first the city, because Jenna did bring that up, and I thought that was pretty interesting to really look at, I guess, the city of these three teams, you would probably go – honestly, I feel like you would go ATL over Houston first. In in terms of of just city, um, I feel like it would be ATL, Houston, then Detroit, because what is there really to do in Detroit? I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. But in terms of the rosters, I think what we've seen in the NFL is that it is hard to really get a quarterback and to get a good quarterback at that. And Deshaun Watson, with as much nonsense as he had to deal with in Houston, has shown that he could be a good quarterback. And when the Texans fired their head coach and brought in their new one, which I'm blanking on both names right now, we saw Deshaun Watson start to emerge as a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. I believe the stat was that he has like 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, probably I think upwards of like 60% completion percentage or something like that. So we're seeing that with a new system, Deshaun Watson is slowly being a better quarterback and showing that he could be good. The Texans as a team are showing that they could be good with a better head coach. And I think out of those three, I think the Texans is definitely the most lucrative because you do have a lot of young talent on that team. And if you're just able to build up the chemistry with those players and build up that program, I do think that the Texans could be, you know, a, a pretty good team in the NFL because we saw last year they were in their playoffs. They're, they went up big against Kansas City, but Patrick Mahomes was – just Patrick Mahomes. You really couldn't do anything about that. Um, and with the unfortunate departures of like DeAndre Hopkins, just because of, of a bad GM at Houston, you know, and, and, and not really getting any pieces back that kind of hindered what the Texans could be as a program. 
I think the Lions, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback as well. I think the defense for the Lions is pretty solid. I thought I had to sneeze. <laughs> but I think offensively and defensively, the Lions are a pretty solid team as well. Again, this was a team with a lot of expectations coming into the season, but just unable to meet those expectations. And I think the Falcons, the issue with the Falcons is that they just couldn't finish out games this season. So I think we look at those three teams and none of those three teams are actually bad. I think all three teams, if you have the right coach, you have the right GM, could be a playoff team. And all three of them, honestly, were supposed to be a playoff team this year. But just with bad head coaching and, and bad general managing, it, it brought them to the dumpster. But I think all those, those three programs are three good programs that could make something in the NFL if you just have the right coaching. A program that I don't know if I can say that much about is the New York Jets because <laughs> still winless after today, if I remember correctly. Um, unable to really get a groove going. They, had, they thought they had Joe Flacco. Didn't really work. Sam Darnold came back. Still didn't work. Adam Gase, still a head coach for the gang green. So, Jen, I wanna, I'm going to start with you because I know Louie has a lot to say about Adam Gase. But, uh, Jenna, we're going to start with you to kind of ease into Louie. There has been a lot of talk about Adam Gase being fired as a head coach for the Jets. And we saw – three coaches get fired. Why hasn't Adam Gates been a fourth? Great question. Um, you know, Jets started off the season, lost their first game, expected. Okay, I'm a Jets fan. So, you know, they're always getting like their jitters out. You know, you just expect that from the Jets. And, you know, they go on and they lose two and three. And then by four and five, you know, you start to hear rumors that the Jets are going to fire Adam Gates. Doesn't happen. We are now 0-11 and... 11 and not a thing has happened and I don't see anything happening in the future. Um, the only thing I will say is we scored three more points than when we played the Dolphins last time. So Louie, take it away. Yeah. I mean, I would like to call that improvement, but that's just pitiful that we were only able to score three more than we did last time. If I remember correctly, we got shut out last time. Logically, there's no reason why Adam Gase has a job in the NFL. The only thing I can think of is that Joe Douglas really wants Trevor Lawrence and Adam Gase is, only purpose of being a head coach is to tank. I don't like to use that word because I don't think it's true because I think he's trying to win games. He just is unable to, but he's there so that they can secure that number one spot and to get Trevor Lawrence. But like I said, logically, there's no reason he should be there. Um, three coaches have already been fired. Why can't he be the fourth? There's no reason why he can't be. And not to mention to all the people who thought he was this offensive uh, mastermind. I don't think that's working out very well for him or the Jets as he had to give it up play calling. That's how bad it got. So now the offensive coordinator is the one doing the play calling. Gase does have a say in the plays, but as you said, Jenna, we only scored three more than last time and last time we got shut out. So it's obviously not working. Horrible, horrible year for the Jets. It's sad to see. I think it was funny to see, you know, one Adam Gase first got hired and how everybody was like, again, like you said, Louie, that he's this offensive guru and he's going to make Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold a great QB. You know, the offense is really going to get going and then everything just hit the fan. And then you looked at this offseason for the Jets as well. Robbie Anderson walked away when, you know, he was regarded as probably a top three receiver in that, in that free agency class. Um, for the NFL. You saw Jamal Adams, who I don't isn't doing tremendous right now, but would have been still a good piece 
for the Jets, you know, he walked away as well. And a lot of those issues were because they just could not get along with Adam Gase. And Robbie Anderson in particular is showing that when you have a good quarterback and you have a good system, you could be a good wide receiver. Having a great year. He's having a fantastic year. And the Jets could have used him because you look oh, yeah. at the, the receiving core uh, for the Jets, and granted they have been dinged up throughout this season, but if you, had, if you had him on your squad, if you had Robbie Anderson, you know, maybe you could have helped out Sam Donald a little bit more. Maybe you could have found that one win, but I think to continue to have Adam Gates as a head coach is just a recipe for disaster because it, it's just not working out. And I know, again, the Jets recently hired him. You want to give him a little bit more time to, to show his colors, but I think he's showing you everything that he can right now. I think he should be gone. He should have been gone about four weeks ago, but I, I think that he is gone during the season. I think that they, they, the Jets find a way to fire him during the season. I don't think they're going to wait until the offseason to fire him because, honestly, I feel like you should probably fire him beforehand so you could get something going in the organization. And, you know, their offensive coordinator, for example, that you brought up, Louie, when he was calling plays, the Jets actually looked formidable as an offense. So Adam Gates just needs to get packed up. I don't know what's going on um, there. Um, to just tie a ball with our NFL talks, again, we are in week 11 or week 12, excuse me, of the NFL right now. And by the time that we're recording this at 4.45 um, on Sunday, November 29th, we saw the 1 p.m. window games close out. We are seeing the 4 p.m. window games currently in action. Um, so, again, just to wrap up a bow on this one, which game from that 1 p.m. window or overall the Week 12 were you excited to see or you are excited to see coming up? Well, I was really happy to watch the Cowboys and the Red the Washington football team game, rather, uh, because that's a divisional game. There's big implications for that game. Whoever won that game was going to be first in the division, and the Washington football team won, and so they took the role of first place in that awful, awful division. I also had Antonio Gibson on my fantasy team, so watching that game was a blessing to me. He put up 36, thankfully, but I, I really questioned the play calling by Mike McCarthy. Uh, the, the fake punt, he, he def defended it post-game interviews and whatnot, but I don't know. Your own 22, a play that went back five yards just to go forward 15, I, it doesn't really make sense to me. So I was looking forward to watching that game. I got enjoyment out of that game, and uh, that, that was my game to watch for Week 12. Yeah, I thought the Falcons game was interesting. Falcons or Falcons? Yeah, Falcons, um, Atlanta Falcons and Raiders. They blew the Raiders out 43-6, to um, which was – and, you know, I don't expect a lot from the Raiders, but since we were just talking about Atlanta, um, it's always nice to see. Um, and the uh, – what are they called? Pat Mahomes. Chiefs, sorry. <laughs> Chiefs game that is going on right now. He's playing against Tom Brady, which is cool to see. Um, a GOAT. I mean, I don't know how else to describe Tom Brady. As a Jets fan, I never liked the Patriots, but I can't deny GOAT. Um, and Pat Mahomes, future, possibly a future GOAT. Who knows? So that'll be cool. I think my game to watch for Sunday was the Titans against the Colts just because of how dominant Derrick Henry was. And I can't stand how dominant he is because somebody that size that Derrick Henry is shouldn't be moving the way that he moves. Like, you would think he would be more of like like 
a, a third down back, a third and short back. But no, he could run you over. He could outrun you. He could juke you out your shoes. He could stiff arm you out your pants. Like, I, 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 I don't understand how God just decided we're going to make this behemoth of a man. And we, we all know the stats that he put up in high school and, and all of that and what he did at Alabama and now for the Titans. And for him to have three touchdowns in the first half, finish the game with those three touchdowns, 27 carries, 178 yards and three touchdowns. I just, Absurd. I just don't understand how he is able to move like that. And I also don't understand how A.J. Brown is able to move the way that he is too as a wide receiver. You know, you, you look at a lot of wide receivers and they're not usually a big, hefty receiver, but A.J. Brown is. And we saw on um, one of his touchdowns, I believe he ran like, I believe it was a 69-yard touchdown um, that he was able to break free. And we saw the week before with the Ravens how he was able to break out of, I believe, like five or six tackles to score a touchdown. So, Overall, I mean, the Titans are still trying to show that they can be a top team and a top contender in the AFC. Um, you do probably have the Chiefs and the Steelers probably 1A, 1B, but the Titans are, are trying to show that they can be that second or third team to really make a push for the AFC championship. And they did that today against the Colts team that honestly is a pretty solid squad. So as we await for the rest of these NFL games to finish off for week 12, we'll transition to a little talk uh, here at the back half or the back end of X's and Opinions to the NBA. And the NBA has released the preseason slate. The preseason will be taking, play, taking place from December 11th to December 19th. And, you know, you don't really see much from teams during the preseason, but out of all the teams that made moves during the offseason, what are a couple of teams that you're excited to watch? Jenna, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting, especially for the teams that hadn't played since March. Um, and then obviously you have teams like uh, Lakers and Heat who had not even three months off. Uh, but I am excited for the Heat. I really like them. I really think they have a really strong team. Um, this is one of their eras, I guess, that you can say that I think they're going upward. I think they're only going to get better um, until who knows what happens. But um, the Heat, I'm really excited to see. Boston. Uh, the Nets, Kevin Durant, I'm very excited. I hope they, you know, this is supposed to be Kyrie Durant is supposed to be this amazing, amazing, amazing dynamic duo of these two the people are acting like they're two religious figures. Um, so I hope they bring it. I hope they win. And I'm excited to see them. Yeah, and to piggyback off that, they have a brand new head coach. It's Steve Nash. I'm excited to see how he's going to do starting his career as a head coach. And I was looking online today and I saw that they have an assistant coach is Mike D'Antoni. So that's surprising to me that he's on that team as well. I'm sure it'll help out. But I think the obvious answer, though, is Lakers-Clippers. Lakers made some great offseason moves, just strengthening that roster even more than they had before when they made the title run. And the Clippers, have, again, have another deep roster. I think both of them can be real contenders this year. So I'm excited to see that game, to see who plays and who does well in that game. I think in terms of top contenders, you definitely you know want to look at the Lakers and the Nets. And I do think that the Lakers have made a lot of offseason moves to – help out their offense. Their defense might take a little hit, but 
in the league that we're in right now, offense is the way to go. And the Nets, you know, like you said, Jenna, you have Kyrie and KD, probably arguably, you know, top five players in the NBA, depending on how you want to rank them, um, top 10, top 15, whatever. Two really good players in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in terms of Kevin Durant's scoring ability of current in terms of Kyrie Irving's um, dribbling ability. So I think in terms of top teams, I definitely am interested to see those two teams. But in terms of teams that made exceptional offseason moves, and even in the draft as well, you know, really bolstering their roster, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. And the Suns right now with CP3, you have the Grizzlies that made a lot of good moves as well, and then the Pelicans with that young team because it was – or noted that Zion Williamson was the longest tendered um, Pelicans on that roster. So I think those three teams, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to build their program. The Suns won 8-0 in the bubble, and nobody expected that from them. So um, I want to see how those younger squads continue to try to compete with those um, top-heavy squads in the Lakers, the Clippers, and, and the Nets, and even potentially the Heat, depending on um, how they're able to bounce back off of that finals loss. Um, outside of a new – look squad that we're all going to see we're going to see a lot of new uniforms as well for the nba and i mean overall this year all the, the uniforms that came out were absolutely just beautiful so nice little fun segment to kind of wrap up this exes and opinion show if you had a free thousand dollars you know they somebody came up to you in the streets and said hey, I'll give you $1,000 and you got to pick three new uniforms for you to buy or three new jerseys for you to buy and, and rock out and have fun with that. Louis, we're going to start with you. What three teams would you buy? I think first I have to go with the Nets. Those nice tie-dye blue uniforms. They're so clean, right back from the 90s. Uh, those, those look nice. And then I think I'd go with the Mavs next because even though it's kind of plain, you know, white with the gold highlights, they still look super nice. So I definitely would have them on my list. And then I'd go with the Knicks. I think their uniform looks really good too. And being a Knicks fan, I definitely want to cop one of those. So those are my three. Yeah, I think top three for me, I, uh, no particular order, but the Orlando jersey, I actually really like. The pinstripes, the orange pinstripes, it kind of gives me like, San Francisco Giants vibes, kind of like a baseball jersey. Um, also, I like – who else did I like? Um, Boston was kind of plain, but, like, I kind of like the simplicity of it, I guess. I don't know. Um, also, Phoenix, the Valley. I thought that was cool. I like the colors and um, that for them. I would say my three – I cannot – I can't get behind the Celtics one. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I, I saw a I tweet – I saw a tweet that was like, oh, those uniforms look like the Hulu got sports uniforms. And I was just like, yeah, those, those, those are way too simplistic for me. Um, in terms of my top three, I, I have a, a for sure two in the Mavericks because I do like that, that white and gold together. I think that looks exceptional with whatever outfit that you would want to wear. Um, the Magic would be my second one because that orange pinstripe with the lettering, I mean, it was – it, it, it was kind of kind of summery, but kind of not with a little baseball-y, like you said, Jenna, but, like, not. And I just thought, like, that would be a good style. And then for the third one, like, I really could not figure out which 
third one I would choose. I had Chicago's uniforms, like the black with that little red, orange, yellow letter, lettering. You know, I, I thought that those were, were pretty cool. I thought the Hornets and the way that they're coloring, um, that one was pretty solid. You have um, Atlanta's with their MLK statement uniforms. I thought that that one was a pretty well, as, a pretty good as well. And then, like you said, Louis, the Nets, I mean, I, I don't know how it would look on the court because I just – I can't get behind how it's, like, gradient on the tops and the bottoms. Like, it, I don't know how it would look on the court. But I think in terms of if you're wearing it for an outfit, you got to go to, to a party, you know, when, when COVID's over or you're going to a little family get-together and you need to throw that on. I mean, you, I feel like if, you, if you're a, a guy, you know, you might get a couple of honeys on you. If you're a lady wearing that, you might get a couple of guys, you know, really liking those uniforms. So I, I think overall, like, those are pretty solid uniforms. But, again, I haven't – outside of the Celtics uniform, I haven't saw – seen any uniforms that have been released so far that were bad i like the suns were solid um what other teams that i not mentioned i think the jazz like theirs was solid as well uh the grizzlies were good too so like again outside of the celtics and i don't know why why you chose it jenna but like <laughs> because it's so bad it's good and it's, it just stands out from everybody else yeah and so you can have people you know just be away from you like you know, six feet apart. So if you want to wear that to, to make sure you got social distancing, then go go for it. But I think they're all, again, pretty good uniforms across the board. And with a little time left, you know, we'll get into last licks. Um, if there's any topic that we did not talk about today that's sports related, you know, this is the segment for you to bring it up. Louie, we'll start with you. You know, anything that you want to bring up um, with this last little segment? Yeah, the Mike Tyson fight was yesterday. Uh, he fought Roy Jones Jr. and it ended in a draw, which I was surprised at. I thought watching it, Tyson won that fight. He seemed pretty dominant. Um, and if I had to bet, I definitely would have bet on Mike Tyson. He is one crazy boxer. I'd never bet against him. But I was really surprised to see it was a draw. Um, and if there's a rematch, I'm excited for it. Yeah, staying with boxing, the YouTuber, Jake Paul, I don't even understand how that started, but um he just won another fight he's 2-0 now so he has a lot of cockiness going on right now he's literally calling out conor mcgregor and like dylan dances danis whatever his last name is um i don't think that's a good idea but maybe that'll happen and then who will stop being super um i don't know just being jake paul because that's who he is and um, if you like him, that's awesome. For me, I'm not a huge fan. For his sake and his well-being, I hope that fight does not happen. Conor McGregor <laughs> is going to absolutely destroy him. Yeah, I mean, originally my last link was going to be that that Nate Robinson, uh, uh, Logan, or Jake Paul. I don't, I don't care which one it was. But, like, the fact that Nate Robinson got knocked out the way that he did was just sad. Because I, I wasn't watching it live because I, I saw it happen or – I saw that it was going to happen yesterday. Again, we're recording this on Sunday. I saw it was going to happen yesterday. I was just like, why do I really want to watch this? And then Twitter blew up after Nate Robinson got knocked out. And I was just like, that's extremely tough. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't believe he got knocked out like that. Multiple times. Multiple times he got knocked down. But the final knockout was just, like, sad. Um, but to not have the same last flick um, – and I know that this is probably going to get talked about uh, today, again, at the time of recording um, during Power Prime Time, our, our college sports 
uh, talk show on 89.5 FM every Sunday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Nice little plug there. But down went Villanova and down went Kentucky in two matchups against unranked teams. Villanova lost a close one in overtime to Virginia Tech, um, which honestly shouldn't have went into overtime. Uh, I thought that final call in regulation that first was a, a foul on Villanova, but then went to review and became a foul on Virginia Tech. Um, wasn't a good review. I, I felt like that one should either have been either a no call or just, you know, leave it the way it was. Um, and then Kentucky losing to unranked Richmond. Out of everybody that they lost to, Richmond. But we did see last year Kentucky lose to Evansville. So college basketball is officially back, and we love to see it. But, unfortunately, with that, that will be the end of our Exes and Opinions podcast. Thank you, Jenna, and thank you, Louie, for uh, being here and giving your take on both collegiate sports with Miles Powell signing with the uh, Knicks as well as professional sports with the NFL and the NBA. Make sure to check out our other podcasts um, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, as well as follow our social media at WSU Sports. Um, but again, for Louis Pasquale and Jenna Powell, I'm Wilna Lewis signing off, saying thank you for listening, and stay safe. Woo! <laughs>